0: So church, what I'd like to do now is go to the Word of God, to uh, the book of Acts, the second chapter, verse 21. I want to use these words to kind of bring us together into uh, a time of prayer. So if you would, please join me uh, in uh, this, uh, this word from Scripture here, and we'll say and offer these words responsibly. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen and amen. Church, let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, we're a thankful people, Lord, that we have the right, the privilege, Lord, to gather in your house this day. For Christians around the world are gathering and they're worshiping this day. For this is an extraordinary day. This was the day in which you brought the church together. You gave it the fire, the anointment of the Holy Spirit, and then the believers were sent forth to do the work of Jesus Christ. This day, O oh God, is truly significant. It's a day, O oh God, that should never, ever be forgotten, nor should it be glossed over, but a day, O God, in which we can give thanks to you, the presence of the Holy Spirit that has worked, that is working, and that continues to work in the lives of every man, woman, and child. So bless the church this day, and we always, Lord, in the name of Jesus, invite the Holy Spirit in. O Holy Spirit, presence of Jesus Christ, come to those that you call your own, to enlighten their minds with your grace and truth, that we might be your hands and feet in this world that you love. O Holy Spirit, comforter and companion, come to all of us to guide our actions and words, that we might rejoice in your presence and make this world your home. O Holy God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray these and all of your prayers for the glory of your name in the Spirit, who is the one, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Church, if you would, please join me in this prayer now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So church, I am turning now to the second chapter in the book of Acts. This, by the way, is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. Same writer, if you were to put the two together, it's an ongoing conversation, and an ongoing biblical telling of not only this gospel account, but also the birth of the church. So, from the second chapter in the book of Acts, beginning with verse 1, I'll read through verse 12. The coming of the Holy Spirit, it says this, Then the day of Pentecost had fully come, and they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language, in which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites? Those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Verse 13. Others, mocking, said, they are full of new wine. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Okay. Church, I I wanted to uh, highlight this text uh, because it's a very uh, important one in the life of the church. Of course, it comes up annually, and uh, Protestants, Christians around the globe, if they are using uh, a lectionary text, which is a, a collection of texts that not only tells the life of Jesus Christ, but also gives us in a three-year period a walk through the Word of God from start to finish. This text will come up, so it's it's very necessary that you and I hear this text and, and know this text because something truly significant, important for all Christians, Christians uh, around the globe uh, need to need to hear this. So there's just some details that I wanted to highlight this morning and and share with you that I I think are uh, important not only to the formation of the church, but but for us who are the believers who make up the body and continue that work of Jesus with the Holy Spirit's anointment this day. So what I'd like to do is. Uh, unpack several verses here. I'm going to start with verse 1 because there's something going on here that, that's easily missed. So chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So so let me just stop right there. Why why were they all together in one accord in one place? Okay, that that's a that's a very very important question that that actually has A a very important answer to it as well. The reason why all were gathered in one accord in one place is because the people of that day and time, the Jewish people, were celebrating a certain festival. They were celebrating a feast or festival, if you would, uh, called the Feast of Weeks, okay? And it was a way in which the people of faith could bring their offering of the harvest, their first fruits unto God as a way of saying, Lord, we thank you. With a heart of thanksgiving, we are offering our gratitude to you as well. Think of it in a similar way in today's way in which we do worship, that the offering time is both an offering Uh, of music unto the glory of God, but also a monetary offering to God as, again, a way of saying, thank you, Lord, with an attitude of gratitude, Lord, I am giving back to you. So, that's why they were there. That's why they all came together, and with them, they had an offering of of their first fruits, okay, from from the harvest. Now, uh, the number fifty is important here. That's a biblical number that I want you to take note of. The reason why that's important is because it's been 50 days after the Passover that Pentecost happened, that the Holy Spirit came upon the believers. So, the number 50 is important here. Pentecost, in a sense, means 50. The 50th day after another feast, another festival called Passover. So, wanted to highlight that. Now, let, let me just go through this text. I I'm, I'm wanted to highlight several verses here just, just, to, just to share with you how truly amazing this text is, okay? This isn't orchestrated by man. This wasn't constructed by man in any way. This is totally a God offering, okay? Just, just listen. Let me go to verses 2 through 4, okay? And just, just recap here. Just listen to this with your heart. It says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each other. Only God can do something like that. Church, it's truly amazing here, but it but it goes on verse 4. It says, "And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them." utterance. Powerful stuff, okay? The mighty, wondrous work of God is working here. It's at work here for those believers. Let me now go to verse 7 and 8. Listen to this. After this happened, okay, after the tongues of fire, after the mighty wind, the presence of the Holy Spirit, verse 7, it says, and then they were all amazed as they should be. As they should be, as you and I should be this very day. They were all amazed and they marveled, okay, absolutely, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we? were born. Let me stop right there. Only God can do that, church. That is a mighty act, a mighty miracle of God alone. Not man, but God working here. This is powerful stuff. Now, as good as this is, okay, as holy as this is, let me skip down now to verses 12 and 13. Listen to this. Verse 12. So they were all amazed and perplexed, absolutely, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? They have just witnessed something truly extraordinary here. Now, listen to verse 13. Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. So let me stop there, and let me just add a little commentary here. Church, as remarkable as this text, as this occurrence, as this encounter of the Holy Spirit truly was, as holy as it was, as game-changing as it was, as life-changing and spirit-filled, as this moment of the birth of the church was, there were still Attacks, were there not? There was this jab, if you will, that was directed at the apostles, at the believers who were there, who simply said, Look, they're just filled with wine and they are speaking absolute gibberish. You see, there was an attack. Now, I say that to say this, listen to this, and I quote, The devil, church, often attacks, you and I often attacks the church at the start of new things. Think about it. Are you starting something new here here shortly? Have you started something new recently? Listen to this. Eve, Adam and Eve, okay, Eve was attacked at the beginning of the world. Jesus was attacked at the beginning of his ministry. Peter was attacked in his own ministry. And here it is, the local church, the body of Jesus Christ being attacked right in the beginning, right at the very start. The enemy always attacks when something is wanting and forming and ready to get started and to move forward, okay? Let me also offer this. We often, church, you and I, experience spiritual attack at the beginning of a new ministry. Do we not? Anytime the church launches something new, there will always be, oh, I don't know about this, hesitation, doubt some kind of spiritual attack that the enemy throws our way to frustrate us, you see, to get us frazzled, to derail us, to distract us. How about this? Have you started a new job recently? Did you feel spiritually attacked in any way? Well, now you know it. Expect it. Guard yourself against the enemy's attack. How about this? In a new phase of a relationship that you start, expect an attack to frustrate you, to discourage you in some way, to get you off track. And here's another thing. When you're trying to break free of a bad habit or a sin, expect, you see, to be attacked by the enemy when you start, okay, because then you are most vulnerable, you see, but move forward. In faith, move forward, guard yourself with the Word of God, guard yourself with prayer, guard yourself with others praying for you. The enemy will always attack at the start of something No, So let me bring it all together in this way, and I want to thank Rita Crosby for sending me this. It's called The Devil's Tool Cell. Maybe you've heard about this. Maybe maybe you've read this. It spoke to me, and I thought it was so relevant, okay, uh, in regards to our text and just for life in general. Just listen to this for a moment. There's an old fable that says that the devil once held a cell and offered all of the tools of his trade to anyone who would pay their price. They were spread out on a table, and each one labeled these things, hatred, malice, envy, despair, sickness, sensuality, all well known to everyone. And off to one side, then lay a harmless looking wooden instrument marked here it is, church, in quotes, discouragement. Discouragement. It was old and worn, but was priced far above the rest. When asked the reason why, the devil replied, because I can use this one so much more easily than the others. No one knows that it belongs to me. With it, I can open doors that are tightly bolted against the others. And once I get inside, I can use any tool that then best suits me. Discouragement. Just that little seed of discouragement that's planted, right, that can get us distracted, that can get our minds off the main thing that should always be Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Just remember that, church. Now, let me ask you something, and I want to speak to your hearts this morning. When you get discouraged, when you're frustrated... Maybe you're frustrated or discouraged at yourself. Maybe you're discouraged or frustrated with something else. Maybe you're just stressed out, frustrated, and discouraged with the world right now. Let me ask you something. When you're frustrated and discouraged, how often, church, do you call upon the name of the Holy Spirit first? to ask for strength, to ask for clarity, to ask for encouragement, and a sense of positivity that will be given to you, church, if you just ask for it. When's the last time you've done that? When you've just been down and out? When you just feel beaten up? when you do feel discouraged, when you do feel frustrated, do you have a tendency of just holding on to it and letting that matter, letting that frustrating just eat away at you? Do you just keep it in your mind and just have this internal dialogue going on to the point where you're just exhausted, where you're just tired, where you're just spiritually depleted? What do you do With that frustration, what do you do with that discouragement? Do you hold on to it? Let me invite you to let it go. That you need, church, to pray the Holy Spirit into whatever it is that's weighing you down. Whatever it is that you're discouraged, don't hold on to it because you're going to lose sleep. You're going to get cranky. You're going to get edgy it's not going to work, church, if you just hold on to whatever is weighing you down and frustrating you and discouraging you. Know that so often that is just the devil, just playing with your mind, putting deceit and lies into your mind, and you got to get rid of it you got to get rid of it by praying the Spirit into the details of your life. Are all of those details pretty? Absolutely not, but we've got a big and forgiving God. Is there something that's weighing you down that you're ashamed about? Church, give it to God. Step out of that fear, step out of that discouragement, and give it to God. That's the first thing that you and I should be doing, okay? Not holding on to it, not, not letting it eat away at us. Eat at the spiritual part of our lives that should be healthy and whole in faith, church as your pastor who loves you. Give it to God. Pray the Holy Spirit into whatever it is, first and foremost. Now, let me end with this. There's a prayer that I want to share with you, and we'll send it out this afternoon. And its intent, when this prayer was written, was for the church. As as I was doing some research on it, it was intended for every saint every sinner. It was intended for the local church. Now, here's what's most fascinating about this prayer, okay? It was written in 430 A.D., okay, by a man named Augustine, okay? He was a man of the Lord. He taught, He was a scholar of God's Word. He wrote this prayer about the Holy Spirit that really spoke to me, and I want to share it. And I want you to be able to put your eyes to it because you're going to need this prayer, okay? Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's under your own roof where you live. But you're going to need this prayer, as I am going to need this prayer in this coming up week, sometime in your in, in your in your week in your month of June, you're going to need this prayer. You're going to need the anointment of the Holy Spirit that was there for the church and that's there for you this day. So just listen to this prayer from Augustine. He says, "Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work." Too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I may love what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I may be always holy. Amen and amen. Church, pray the Holy Spirit. Into the details of your life. Don't hold back. Give it all to God and do it in the name of the Holy Spirit. Let me offer a word of prayer for us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O God, we need a Savior. We need Jesus Christ. We need the Lord's presence in our lives this day. Lord, the world, the world is hurting, the world is broken. Lord, Lord, the world needs Jesus Christ. Lord, it's difficult to watch the news. It's difficult, oh God, to see what's going on in the world, Lord, and in our nation that we so love. So, we put prayer, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ to all of the broken things in this world, and we pray for healing. Even if it seems like, Lord, things are so broken, that you are not present. In faith, in the name of Jesus Christ, we know that you are working and that you are moving and that you are healing and mending those wounds, Lord. So we put our hope there. We put our faith there. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to guide, Lord, our words, to guide our thoughts, to guide our actions, Lord, and the sacrament, of Holy Communion is a way in which we can bring our attention back to the main thing, and that is the saving work that Jesus Christ did for all who believeth in Him on the cross of Calvary. Bring us back to that holy place now, Lord, and we put our faith there in the Savior who is willing. Let us accept that invitation now and always. In Jesus we pray. Amen.